Well, friends, we have um, gone through a number of Lord's Days of the Heidelberg Catechism, and um, the latest batch of messages, if you recall, has been the uh, looking at the Ten Commandments, and we worked through a series on the Ten Commandments, some, some of them uh, very strictly following the catechism, other ones of following different parts of scripture and such. Today, we will uh, enter into that part of the catechism that is talking about prayer. So there'll be a series of messages on especially the Lord's Prayer, but today is kind of a, a preparatory sermon for that. Um, and um, I would invite you to look at page 916 in your gray-colored hymnals, page 916, and uh, we'll read questions and answers there. And I think I'll ask you to read the question. And we're looking at uh, 116, 117, and 118. Of course, uh, 119 is the actual Lord's Prayer itself. And we'll be praying that at the end of the message this morning. And then as we go along, we'll be uh, in the sermon series, we'll be looking at the different parts of the Lord's Prayer. Um, as we move along. So um, I'll ask you then to look at question 116. If you would ask that question at this time, let's say together, why do Christians need to pray? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us. And also because God gives his grace and Holy Spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly, asking God for these gifts and thanking him for them saying together, how does God want us to pray so that he will listen to us? First, we must pray from the heart to no other than the one true God who has revealed himself in his word, asking for everything he has commanded us to ask for. Second, we must acknowledge our need and misery, hiding nothing, and humble ourselves in his majestic presence. And third, we must rest on this unshakable foundation. Even though we do not deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord. That is what he promised us in his word, saying together, what did God command us to pray for? Everything we need, spiritually and physically, as embraced in the prayer Christ our Lord himself taught us. Thanks for asking those questions, congregation. And you'll see, as um, you probably saw under each of those questions and answers, there are Bible passages, uh, proof texts, if you will, for those questions and answers. And you'll be hearing them scattered throughout this message as well. And I won't be inviting you to look those up in Scripture. If you'd like to, you certainly may. But I invite you to write them down, just jot them down and check up on them later um, today. Let's uh, go before our God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would guide us now through your Holy Spirit as we think about what your word has to say about prayer, that you would guide us, direct us, and that it would all be done for the honor of Jesus Christ and for his glory. And so whatever words I say, we pray that they would be holy and pleasing to you, Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer, and that also the meditations of all of our hearts would also be holy and pleasing to you. Keep us from distraction. Keep us focused on what you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Beloved in Christ, have you ever prayed a prayer you were really proud of? Now, I, uh, I know that the minute you put the word proud with the word prayer in that same sentence, you're skating on thin ice, of course. Those two words aren't, aren't supposed to go together very well. So let's ask the question another way then. Have you ever prayed a prayer that you thought, wow, wow, this is what prayer is supposed to be? You came away from the prayer uplifted and filled with joy and reconciled and repaired and strengthened and forgiven. You even check your head and your face in the mirror because if you didn't know better, you'd think your head and face were, were shining with God's glory, were glowing like Moses having to veil his face after talking to the Lord God so as not to frighten the people of Israel, and you think to yourself, I was just in the presence of my almighty, saving God. I was, a, I was a child kneeling at my father's feet. Wow, what a prayer. What a prayer time. What a prayer. Ever prayed a prayer like that? They're not easy to come by, are they? I think I've had personal prayers like that. Could count them on one hand couple times, and both of them were prayers that, that happened to last over an hour. One lasted a whole trip from Chicago to Grand Rapids. He just prayed the whole time. It was three hours. They were prayers I'll never forget. And yet so many other times, so many other times, I pray, and afterward I feel like I've been praying to a giant brick wall. Maybe you have too. Ever have that experience? I remember praying, or um, playing, sorry, playing on my uh, high school basketball team, and the coach was correcting another of the players. His last name happened to be Anderson, because every time anyone passed that player the ball, Anderson passed it right back. It was automatic. The coach called him Anderson the Brick Wall. Good thing he wasn't a window. Anderson, did you get that joke? Anderson windows, yeah. Anderson was like a brick wall. Pass him the ball, he'd pass it back. Like throwing a pass to a brick wall. Back it would come, right back at you. Pass it, come back. Sometimes our prayers feel like that. Like they're bouncing off a brick wall. I pray them and they don't seem to get anywhere. Like a bad rocket, they, they barely lift off and they come careening back to earth. And sadly, it seems like those brick wall prayers happen much more often than the other kind, those mountaintop experience prayers. But, but then there's, there's all those prayers that are right in the middle, the ones that seem to go all right. They're, you know, they're not those mountaintop experience prayers, and they're not the brick wall kind prayers either. They're somewhere in between those two extremes. Th those are good prayers. And, and I'm sure many of us have a lot of those type of prayers. That's a good thing. What I'd like to walk us through today is, I guess you could say, that the reasons why those in-between prayers, those steady, consistent, disciplined, middle-of-the-road prayers, why they are good prayers. I'd like to identify things about those prayers that make them good prayers ask some questions about them so that we can have more of them, learn some things about them, a checklist, if you will, so that if and when we run into that next 
prayer dry spell in our lives, one of those brick wall dry spells when our prayers seem to bounce right back to us. When that happens, we can dig into our prayers a little bit and see if maybe we're leaving something out. Maybe we're forgetting something. Maybe we're not quite getting the prayer right. And there is something we can add to our prayer life to propel us out of our prayer dry spell. Now, I'm not suggesting in any way that we all have to pray the exact same way, just looking for some general prayer guidelines. You can call it, as I did with the sermon title, preparation for your prayers or pre-prayeration, preparation for prayer. Coming up with guidelines ahead of time for, for what our prayers are supposed to look like, and the catechism helps us here by plucking those guidelines about prayer from the Word of God, guidelines that hopefully we'll remember in those bitter prayer dry spells to pull us out of them by the grace of God. General guidelines. The first two guidelines help us answer the question, why? Why do I need to pray anyway? Why do I need to? Two guidelines. You saw them in, in that catechism answer. First, we need to pray in order to thank God. Pretty simple, isn't it? We need to thank God, and in prayer is the place it gets done. It gets done other ways, too, of course. We thank God by living obedient lives by doing things for others, by going on mission trips, by giving money away. But first and foremost, we have the privilege to kneel at our Heavenly Father's feet and to say those words directly to Him. Thank you, Father in Heaven. Thank you. Thank you. Psalm 50, verse 14 says, Sacrifice Thank offerings to God. And how do you do that? Verse 15 right away answers. Call on God. Pray. Psalm 116, verse 12. We read, what shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? And then it answers that question. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. Pray. Say thank you. I was half listening to a morning talk show this week that was on in another room of the house, and I heard the celebrity guest say over and over again, I wake up and, well, I start every day saying out loud how thankful I am. I'm so filled with thankfulness, with gratitude, and I say it right out loud, I am thankful. And as I sat there half listening, I realized my whole body had tensed up as I felt myself urging on the celebrity guest with the word to. To. Yes, you are thankful. To. Say it. And she never said it. I am so thankful to you, God, my Father. She never said it. Just, I'm so thankful. That's our first guideline to help us answer the why question for prayer. Why do we need to pray to say thank you to our God for everything he has done for us, is doing for us, and will do for us? The second why pray guideline. We need to pray because God gives his grace and Holy Spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly. 
Why do we need to pray? Because God has richer and fuller gifts to give to us, and he will give them if we ask. You see, part of being a Christian is to grow. That's part of our vision statement, right? To grow closer to Jesus Christ. Part of being a Christian is to grow, isn't it? We talk about being made more holy, more like Jesus in our living. What we're talking about is growth in the Christian life, about maturing in the faith. God wants us to want to grow, and we grow through prayer. In Luke chapter 11, verse 9, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. And he follows that up in verse 13, Luke eleven thirteen, with how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see, God has gifts reserved for us for that growth His grace and his Holy Spirit in increasing measure are at the ready. And he simply says, ask me for them. Pray to me for them. That's the why pray guideline number two. To ask God for grace and for his Holy Spirit in increasing measure. Our why pray guidelines. First, we pray to give him thanks. Second, we pray to ask for grace and his Holy Spirit. Prayer shows, as the catechism said it, that we have a heartfelt longing for these things. A heartfelt longing. The next guidelines, and there are three of them now, help us answer the question, how? How shall I pray? They have to do with our spiritual posture in prayer, how we pray. First, how do I pray guideline? First, how do I pray guideline? The catechism says we pray from the heart. We pray with a sincere heart. We pray sincerely before God or with sincerity. What we are saying to God in prayer has to reflect what is going on inside of us. We have to be truthful. No deceit, no lying to God. And and you know, of course, that the very idea of lying to God, of course, it's ridiculous anyway to lie to God, to be a hypocrite in prayer, as if the prayer somehow covers up our deceit, as if our prayer words somehow camouflage what's really going on inside of us. Psalm 145, verse 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. God wants to hear sincere truth. He knows it anyway. Why waste words with him? When you talk to God, the guideline is to sincerely speak the truth. Think of confession, confession of sin in prayer. With sincere truth, we tell God what we have done. This is what I've done, Father in heaven. It was wrong. We don't come to God confessing sin and adding insincere or false disclaimers. Yes, I sin, but... And we add an excuse for it or we try to justify it. Absolutely not. Sincerely, we come in truth. I sinned. I was wrong. Please forgive me. And that's the truth. Why waste God's time with lies? Prayer time is filled with truthful sincerity. That's how do I pray pray guideline number one. I come in a posture of sincerity. How do I pray guideline number two? The catechism says we must acknowledge our need and misery. 
humbling ourselves. Guideline number two, a posture of humility, right? It goes hand in hand with sincerity. Humility does. What can we say about humility? We are in dire need of a Savior. We can't save ourselves. We're miserable sinners looking for a way out, and it will only come by Jesus Christ saving us out of that misery. Is there anything more humbling than that? We are powerless to save ourselves to pay for our own sin. We're powerless, beloved. Powerless. The most powerful person here by today's standards is nothing. Is powerless. Acts 17, verse 25 says, God, God gives everyone life and breath and everything else. God does. Acts 17, verse 28 continues. In Christ we live and move and have our being. Psalm 103, verse 15 tells us that our lives, they're like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it. It's gone. Without him, we're gone. Like a puff of smoke vanished off the face of the earth as if We never existed. That is humbling, beloved. That powerlessness is humbling. And that humility is a preparation posture to remember when we pray. I can neither move nor be moved without God's willing it. I can neither move nor be moved without God's willing it. Is that the kind of humility with which we approach God in our prayers? Do our prayers to God arise from hearts that are humble? Humility is our second how do I pray guideline. Third one, the catechism says we must rest on this unshakable foundation God surely listens to our prayer because of Christ our Lord. It's promised in his word. We don't deserve it, but we have an unshakable confidence when it comes to prayer. That's the third how do I pray guideline. Sincerity, humility, and now unshakable confidence. Those three go together, don't they? You have to have one and two in the mix. Or three just won't be there. Sincerity and humility have to be there. Because if they're not, then our unshakable confidence in prayer is messed up. It's a confidence not in God alone, but in me. 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 It's a confidence in myself that gets thrown into the mix. And any, any confidence in me or you is most certainly not unshakable confidence. Let's be honest, it's no confidence at all. The only kind of confidence that is unshakable is the kind that is in Jesus Christ. We pray in his name as promised in his word. If there is not humility in prayer, then our confidence in someone hearing that prayer drops. When we put ourselves out of the picture when we come with our, only our needs and our total inability 
and not our own schemes or our own fix-the-problem ideas when we come bearing all in desperation, clinging to our Savior and letting go of ourselves, then, then we come with unshakable confidence. Is it there in our prayers? The unshakable confidence in Jesus guideline. Those three how to pray guidelines, you see, I'm sure you see it, they all work together. We ought to and we can, by the grace of God, pray with sincerity and humility and with unshakable confidence. Knowing this is part of our preparation, our preparation for prayer. These guidelines form our posture in approaching God in prayer and during prayer. And now our final guideline. Our final guideline today answers the what do I pray for question in prayer. What do I pray for? The catechism asks, what are we supposed to pray for? And the answer is everything we need. In James 1 verse 17, we read, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. The what do I pray for guideline is that we pray for everything we need. We are exhaustive in our prayers. We can be exhaustive in our prayers. Pray about anything and everything. And while we might exhaust ourselves, we will never, by our prayers, bring God to the point of exhaustion. Where he exhaustedly says to us, will you just pipe down already? Your prayers are about anything and everything are exhausting me. Can you imagine God the Father saying that to his children? Never. Never. Are we praying about everything? God wants us to do that, to pray for everything we need, spiritual needs, physical needs, the biggest down to the smallest things. Back in college, I had an experience on Parents' Day when parents got to visit about a month or two into the semester for the day, visit their kids away at school. We miss them, they miss us, maybe. And a, a friend of mine's mom and dad were there whom I saw in the dining hall. I knew them a little bit. I went up to them to say hello, and they said, how are you doing, Raj? And I told them, well, fine, but, you know, I've got this nasty cold, and they could hear it in my voice, this nasty cold I've been dealing with. You know what they did? Right then and there, without batting an eye, they each put a hand on either one of my shoulders, and with no introduction, they said a prayer for me, each of them, right out loud. They prayed for my health, that I would feel better and lose the cold ASAP. They would heal, that God would heal me right then and there. Now, now, they certainly weren't embarrassed to do that, but I sure was at the time. Kind of looked around embarrassed afterwards to see if anyone had saw and had seen it, and, and phew, no one, no one was. No one was looking. But I thought about that afterwards. Why was I embarrassed about that? Did I, did I think that that was something, well, God didn't want to be bothered with my cold, my common cold. 
yeah, I thought that. I, I, I sort of did think that. I, I look back at that prayer that was said now, and now it's a lesson, isn't it? It's a lesson. Those parents of my friend taught a lesson as they took the Heidelberg Catechism question and answer seriously. What does God command us to pray for? Everything we need, physically, spiritually. God even cares about the common cold. God cares about cancer. God cares about us. Well, that's the what do I pray for guideline. Anything and everything we need. And all these guidelines are for our preparation, right? Maybe to think about when we hit those prayer dry spells especially. Thinking about this, getting prepared this way is a good exercise in the spiritual discipline of prayer. It is a discipline, as you know. And as followers of Christ, praying to our Father in heaven, we need to work hard at it. As simple as it looks, as easy as it sounds, prayer is often hard work. It's no wonder we sometimes call prayer, as the Apostle Paul did in Colossians 4, verse 12, a wrestling with God. In a moment, we're going to pray for everything we need, physically and spiritually, using the words, as I said, that Jesus taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer. But, but before we do that, I want to close with words from the 19th century Reformed Baptist preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He is often called the Prince of Preachers due to the fact that his preaching often held his congregations spellbound for hours as they listened. And he had this to say about prayer and the difficulty that many Christians, including himself, had exercising a faithful prayer life. He writes this, Pray until you can pray. Pray to be helped to pray. And do not give up praying because you cannot pray. For it's when you think you cannot pray, that is when you are praying. I'll repeat it because it takes a little to sink in. Pray until you can pray. Pray to be helped to pray. And do not give up praying because you cannot pray. For it's when you think you cannot pray, that is when you are praying. For all of us who wrestle with God in prayer, who wrestle to stay awake in prayer, who wrestle to keep our minds from wandering far away to other things in prayer, this quote by Spurgeon is instructive. It reminds us that we need God's help even to pray. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, I'm here. Help me to pray. Guide me by your Spirit. Help me. 
Lord, we're here. Help us to pray. Guide us by your spirit. Help us. Help us even as we pray the words your son taught us to pray to you as we say together now, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Beloved in Christ, we leave this place a praying congregation, don't we? 
praying for everything we need physically and spiritually. And we pray that God's spirit would rest upon us and that he would fill us with gifts of grace. And God tells us that he blesses us with those wonderful gifts. He says to us, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the peace of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you now and forevermore. Let all God's people say, amen. Amen.